Welcome to the fifth Amazing Race 26 recap episode of the UR Team Number podcast. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me is the Canadian who is very familiar to driving backwards through a winter wonderland, Logan Saunders. Afternoon. Afternoon. And the Australian who is no stranger to taking a bucket of water to the face, Ben Powell. Howdy. You can tweet us using the hashtag yattencast or email us at yattencast at gmail.com. So, all those years ago, teams flew to Bangkok in Thailand and Jelani and Jenny and Blair and Haley fought with one another. Uh, Rochelle beat out the boys at the roadblock and Matt and Ashley were stumped by the metal castle. But it was Holly and Jonathan who were eliminated after they probably didn't even get to Bangkok when all the teams had checked in. And, of course... Lest we forget that Laura and Tyler did uh, have a date night that was perfectly interesting television. They're just friends. They're just friends. They're too competitive to focus on love, which is pretty much the underlying reason of why the dating twist doesn't exactly work. No, but at least Tyler loves fireworks. Yes, very much so. (laughs) So, It's pretty good, though. Like, riding riding down the river. I mean, it was probably the coolest date night so far of the three. Between was, the... was it nicer than the fireworks in Malta? Rank the fireworks on the Amazing Race? Put it this way, Logan. It was nicer than having to crawl... Cra- <laughs> I can't even get it out from last week. <laughs> crawl on their knees. Right. To the uh, abandoned hotel. Uh, yeah, I was, yeah, I wasn't here. I was, uh, what was it again? Kidnapped by Jim and Misty? Yeah, Kidnapped by Jim and Misty was the excuse we came up for you. Yeah, it was because you got a people you might know and it was Misty Ramen. And I thought she was a drag queen. Yeah, I, I must apologise to all of the two people who thought that that podcast last week was actually genuine. And any, uh, complaints about any of the inappropriate jokes should be directed towards Logan because he wrote them. God damn it, or Logan. to the inbox of Jay Fisher. Or to the inbox of Jay Fisher. Or to effing Gene. So, that makes sense you have any calories uh, that racer in last week? I did not, no. In the commercial there at the end of the intro, they said, uh, with Fitbit, teams burned 81,000 calories and 546 glasses of whole milk. Who drinks whole milk? Well, it was a reference to the Bangkok detour where uh, teams had to pick up a glass of milk. I thought, wow, that's a really, uh, they're really reaching to uh, compare it to some sort of object that was in the previous leg of the race. I did like that the end of the previously on section did have a close-up of a cat's face. I was going to point that as well. It's not the grumpy cat, and uh, yeah, I I hear it that when uh, Jenny saw the the end of the intro there that she uh, sneezed and her uh, face swelled up a bit along with uh, Jonathan. Uh, so we had Bergen and Kurt depart in first at 3 or 3 p.m. And they found out that teams must now fly to Munich in Germany and find Wiesen, Trax and Mehr to find their next clue. Caution laid a hose in ahead. And it was Blair and Haley in second to depart at 3 or 6 p.m. Ali and Stephen third at 312. Uh, Lauren Tyler at 351. Jeff and Brecky at 4.20, and then after that, who cares? I like how the name of the location there for the route marker almost sounds similar to Decent Attractive Men, which is, I think, what Kurt and Bergen were hoping to look for on this season of the race. I also like the fact that Phil did not even attempt to name any of the places in this leg. Leave it to the intern. Yeah, to the point where I actually had to then go on the Wikipedia page and copy them over, because teams were just like, yeah, I'm not going to try and pronounce that, and Phil was just like, yeah. 26 seasons, I can't be asked either. 
so we found out that Ali and Steve met in Munich at a pre-Olympics dinner. Good for them. And sadly, all eight teams are on the same flight. Yay. Which insults the fans of Harleen Jonathan that much more, that they missed out on an equalizer by just that much. Uh-huh. So once teams make it to Wiesentracht und Meer, uh, they must put on traditional Bavarian clothing, Lederhosen for the men and Dirndl for the women. Uh, once they are dressed appropriately for Oktoberfest, they must travel to the nearby Otterpeter Tower, climb the stairs, and search for their marked product placement cars. And the outfit does not interfere with uh, Jackie's bug spray? <laughs> it does not. I like the fact that we just got random scenes of Jeff and Bracky touching each other. So no other blind date team, just them. Oh, that was weird. It's Laura and Tyler who are the first of the cars, but of course they trade once they stall the first one. I actually thought that before they actually got to the later holes and whatever the go one was, that would be a lot like more obtrusive costume. Instead of just sort of like, it was sort of like subdued as a costume. The normal Amazing Race route is to go to like big, annoying, outlandish costumes, but this one is just sort of, sort of like really subdued. You mean like the Australian kangaroo ones? From unfinished business. Yeah, that's sort of like the, that's sort of like the you know point of comparison I was going for. They are traditional Bavarian outfits that they were wearing. I mean, if you think of Bavaria and clothing, you probably do think of Lederhosen. I like the fact that what, there wasn't even a task to sort of make them wear this. It was just you know root info. You've all got to do it. We just want to see you in fun costumes so that we can then chuck stuff at you. Yay! So a big point of the episode happens when Laura and Tyler switch cars because Tyler leaves the pack in the backseat of that car. Good old Dallas moment. Yeah. Also, a point to any future Amazing Race teams, learn to drive a sodding manual car. It's hard, though. Driving driving a manual car is really hard. Yeah, but don't go on the race unless you can. (laughs) I know that driving a manual car is hard because I've failed the test three times and I've not done it in four years. I wouldn't go on the Amazing Race till I could drive a manual car. I can't, but my my plan would be to like uh, just sort of uh, work the ga- gas in the clutch and have the person have the person I'm, I'm racing with just like reach behind and do the gear stick for me. You can use that. You can you can uh, you can go anyway any way you want with that. I mean, even if you you don't officially have a license, as long as you know the theory of driving a manual car. Of just keep the clutch in until you uh, can find the biting point, and then keep changing gears using the clutch. As long as you know that, you're golden. But at least Mike and Rochelle didn't give up. I have a question. Fire away. What would have happened if Kurt and Bergen took Laura and Tyler's car, and uh, then they ditched that vehicle and went into a taxi... So Laura and Tyler never get their passport back, but yet Kurt and Bergen rack up 12 hours in penalties. Are they both just screwed then? I mean, I'd assume... I, I did point this out on Facebook earlier. I'd assume that um, that Bergen and Kurt wouldn't be allowed to take the pack with them, because that's messing with other people's stuff, and teams have got penalties for that. But they just leave it in the car. They don't take it with them when they go into a taxi. It's like, what if they didn't even notice, like, oh... There's this passport in the vehicle, but Kurt and Bergen don't notice. Then they ditch the car, go into a cab, and that and the passport is still stuck in the car uh, to uh, without anybody else's knowledge. I would assume Laura and Tyler would then go back to me and it can find it. But it's I just. But if it's though. just stuck in the, it, it could be on any road though, because Kurt and Bergen just 
ditch their car on the middle of a random road and switched over to a taxi, so it would be impossible to find the vehicle. I think Bergen and Kurt said that they only got about two streets away, so I don't think it'd be that difficult. Well, what if they a hilarious way to go, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, we could have had uh, another double elimination, which would have been hilarious. Or Kurt and Bergen get an equalized in the next leg and somehow catch up, and then Lauren and Tyler just spend the rest of their lives thinking about how Kurt and Bergen just inadvertently screwed them over. I mean, there are teams who try to screw over Laura and Tyler, or a particular team, but we'll get to that. That was, it was not easily the most grand, amazing play of deception in Amazing Race history. I am surprised <laughs> that that actually failed. Yeah, I'm surprised it failed, but they wouldn't show it unless it comes back to bite them, I'm assuming. I think or, we could we could be seeing more of this moment. Or there was nothing else that really happened in this episode. That could be a possibility. All they need to all they needed to explain, you know, their gigantic four four placement drop. You know the um the selfie cams? Do they have directions on them? Because I thought they were deactivated phones that just had the camera, but Kurt Bergen was looking Kurt, at it. Yeah, Bergen and Kurt seem to be using it as a proper GPS. Despite the fact the car had one. Because they weren't allowed to use the car's GPS until after they were through the Winter Wonderland thing. So maybe the yeah, the selfie cam could maybe may an additional uh, lifeline for the teams. And we just haven't been told about it yet. Yeah, I mean, I was under the impression that it was de- a deactivated phone and properly deactivated and just a camera. But evidently not. Which, you know, is slightly against the point of the the game. But whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, teams must travel to a random warehouse to drive through Winter Wonderland in reverse to see their next clue written, in back, uh, written backwards on a series of signs in their product placement cameras. Which also got its own commercial. Yeah, we got a, we got a behind the, in the western airing here. Uh, Right after all the teams completed the task and there was the commercial break, uh, Phil Cogan said, I'm going to give you a behind-the-scenes look at the Amazing Race. And they showed the whole uh, construction of the task and that it took, like, I think 300 trees and uh, and some other crap, just throwing out random numbers, sort of like with the Fitbit 81,000 calories thing. And then they kept went on thanking Ford for donating their wonderful vehicles and how amazing it was. And yeah, it was like a good two-minute commercial, commercial or so. I mean, I know we have to have the Ford product placement legs because it funds the entire race, basically. But this was one of the more egregious tasks they've ever done, I think. The entire the entire warehouse was filled with uh, was filled with the contents of the producer's idea room for Amazing Race Twenty Four. I mean, did anyone notice the guy in the polar bear outfit, for example? Was that Ethan? <clears throat> From Amazing Race Asia 4? It, it was only really visible when uh, when we had Bergen and Kurt standing there talking to uh, Mike and Rochelle at the end. But, yeah, there was a guy just on his knees in a, um, in a polar bear outfit. Uh, if you didn't get it, I was talking about cocaine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, once teams travel through the Winter Wonderland, they must travel to Schleersee the phrase that they wrote down in the previous task, and find their next clue in the middle of a lake after rowing to it. 
We completely so, skipped over the Jeff and Jackie fight, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, sadly they made up, so it's probably not going to have much impact. I love that fight. So pointless, but so amazing. Yeah, it was just shouting at each other about, you know, shouting at each other. Don't cut me off. <laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> Get your point across. Check your privilege. Somehow she came off a lot better. She came off better than he did. I like that Jeff was uh, sort of so passive aggressive for the first four and a half legs, and then or so sort of quiet and mild mannered for the first four and a half legs, and then he just has quite a good shouting voice. I love how he got angry while wearing an outfit that he claimed his grandmother would have knitted for him. She must have mad skills if she can knit using leather. Just saying. With the help of the with the help of the perverted uh, fashion guy who instructed everyone to get naked during the task too. Maybe he just thought he was on a date night already. I mean, he does not get the double date night pass with uh, Jeff and Bracky. I'm sorry. Or one of the editors who uh, was involved with the Sukin gender fast forward. Maybe that's where he came from. Because we all know that the Bavarian uh, Bavarian outfit critics have pictures of uh, Jeff and Jackie naked on their walls. It's everywhere. So it's uh, Ali and Steve who leave the Winter Wonderland in first place. And Laura and Tyler complete the task in second, but decide to wait to find out whose car has their pack in it. And this is the start of our least favourite bit of this leg. Everyone shitting on Haley. Now, I know we've been the mad defenders of Haley and her behaviour throughout the entirety of this race so far. But seriously, internet, calm your tits. She is... Very competitive, we know, but she is not killing puppies. There is no need to tweet her using nasty phrases, or stalk her like someone has done. The internet is a weird place, you do not need to do this. I'd also like to point out that if it were a man like uh, complaining, about, complaining about a female partner, it would basically get, like, you know, glossed over, basically. Yeah, but, but, like, you know... This is reality television, and, and Haley is a woman asserting herself, so obviously she needs to be told to die, bitch. Yeah, I mean, there is no excuse for finding someone on Twitter and tweeting them horrible things. I might not like every team, but I do not say, at Rachel E. Riley, you're a cow, because that is not nice, kids. Plus, you probably, spe- you probably spell out why you are a cow. Oh, yeah, because, you know... 140 characters, come on now. Yeah, I've got to save my characters, sorry. Gotta I use the last uh, 100 for the, the death threat part of the part of the tweet. I would like to point out that during the Winter Wonderland task, that the lady who gave out the clue had an outfit that was bluer than a Happy Happiest from Earthbound or a character from the Eiffel 65 uh, music video. She did look like she was dressed as one of the ice climbers. <laughs> that is true. I liked how her her eyeshadow was bluer than her outfit. I mean, seriously, where did they get everything for that warehouse? Because we had a random reindeer, we had the guy in the polar bear outfit. Like I said, it was probably it was probably from the massive clouds of cocaine that were that were fueling the producers during Amazing Race twenty four. We just had a very weird selection of oh, what's winter themed, but. 
at least we did not have anyone sitting on an ice chair for 10 minutes. Wintoberfest, I believe, is what that Wonderland uh, warehouse was called. I also don't know why they were doing it inside when they filmed this in November. They pr- it probably would have been cold enough in Germany for them to just do it outside. Well, at least they weren't, they weren't schmuzzling. They were not schmuzzling, and no one was sat on Dan Lembo-style ice chair. Uh, so we also get our on-location report from Phil when Ali and Steve get to the next route marker. And they are, I believe, 20 hours ahead of the other teams at this point. And I must say, Phil was throwing mad shade. Phil was being quite sassy with them. He's like, Ali and Steve are currently in first, but not if they keep with that rowing. Mm-mm. I believe rowing is implied to be with inverted, in, like, uh, quotations here. Rowing. By the very flimsiest definition, that was rowing. Flailing? It was spinning. like oolong rowing. Oolong rowing from Survivor. That's what it was. Or John Carroll and uh, Rob the General from Survivor Marquesas. That type of rowing. I just wanted Phil to have a, a finger snap. I'll just do it. The show would be cancelled if Phil were to do a finger snap, I think. Wow, no, but the viewers would not know how to react to that. Yeah, that's that's the that's at the point where you take the show out behind the shed and give it the old yellow twi- old yellow treatment. I just want a banner for one of our podcasts where Phil is Zed snapping. That is all. I just want Phil's sass face. You want the show to die, Michael? Uh, no. I want certain shows to die, but not this one. They do need to, you know, wise up and not do a blind, blind dating twist, though, again, ever. Well, so far, it's worked out better than we thought it would. Yeah, but it's still not great. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily mind it if they did everyone be a blind date team. But half and half, meh. I mean, it's it's no Survivor fans versus favourites in terms of a whitewash, but it is, it's not, it's not going the way that I think they'd hoped it had in terms of permanent love connections, because that's only Jeff and Bracky. You really thought, though, how many teams did you think would actually find a love connection? Oh, absolutely zero. Actually, no. I th- I did think Jeff and Bracky probably would have connected, because they do seem quite similar in terms of personality, but they are the only one, only blind date couple who I think they actually genuinely tried to make a love connection for. Then they passively-aggressively fought about passively-aggressively fighting each other. <laughs> it was the best thing for them to fight about ever. Meanwhile, you know, Laura and Tara are too boring. Bergen and Kurt are too gone. Uh, Haley and Blair are too polarizing, I guess. And... Um, Lawyers. Oh, yeah, them. They're good too. I'm not sure there'll be a love connection, but they're good. I must point out that... For all the people who are hating on Haley for being controlling of Blair or whatever, they do seem to still be friends. They are on each other's Instagram feeds a lot. So, you know, chill your beans. Anyway, once teams rode to their clues, they found out it was the detour, which is Stein, Orstadt, and this is probably our most balanced detour of the entire season so far. You skipped over the selfie with the reindeer that Laura and Tyler had. A a reindeer selfie. It's got to the point where I'm just not writing anything down about selfies anymore. But, I mean, it was so close to this, the fake selfie I suggested in the premiere where the spider takes a selfie with Jeff and Jackie. We actually got a live animal involved on the selfie. Come on now. And that is not your only prediction this season that came true. Indeed. Wait, we'll Blair got shot in the arm? <laughs> no, there were no gun-related tasks. So, in this detail... 
Stein or Stack. In Stein, teams must travel to a beer hall and transport 22 steins of beer across a map path between them in one go. They can manage to carry all 22 without dropping any on the floor and manage to put them on the table. At the end, they will receive their next clue. And in Stack, teams must travel to an outdoor adventure park and stack 15 beer crates on top of each other with one person standing on top of them to receive their next clue. After 10 have been stacked... The person on the ground is no longer allowed to hold the stack to help their partner keep their balance. What you were saying about balance detours? Yeah, this is a this is the most balanced of the ones we've seen so far. That's not saying much. The stack you kind of would have to be balanced, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean I've seen that sort of thing be done before. I'm uh, making a terrible pun here. Yeah, I know. I'm skirting over it. Um, so, uh, Logan, which one would you have picked? If I was told that the world record was 49, I'd choose stack just to see if I could do 50. No, 15. No, 5-0. I'd, I'd try to go for all 50. If I, Especially if I knew that Kurt and Bergen were going to have 12 hours and penalties. I'd be like, hey, we've got time on our hands, folks. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go for broke here. When the world record was set, do you think that... Uh... They were told after 10 you can't hold it anymore. Was there anyone holding it in the first place? Uh, I think they were told to, or suggested to, but I don't think anyone actually I mean, did. I mean when they were making the world record. All right. Um, yeah, they probably did, because it would have added stability. I think Tyson some... was trying to hold it, but failed. I think if Boston Rob was doing this task, he'd literally carry his family on his back. I think Albert would have dropped the stack. Well, <laughs> Sophie would have made him drop the stack and help her. Survivor South Pacific reference again. Why? The second time in two podcasts have we done a, uh, a Survive South Pacific riff? I don't know. It's always been relevant, though. I'm kind of worried for us. This doesn't look good for our next Canada podcast, Big Brother Canada podcast, where we plug, uh, where, where we plug Jack and Jill. Only if we can have so- Sophie Clark on doing that face. Yeah, it's, it'll be good to have her doing a face on an audio podcast. Well, we can have it as the banner. Anyway, Ali had the quote of the episode when she said, I'm from Wisconsin, so I have an appreciation for beer. Both Steve and Matt carried 14 of the Steins each, which was, you know, pretty impressive. Olympian bodybuilder, so... Yeah, but there's a difference between being able to carry stuff and having your hands be big enough to actually carry 14 signs of beer. Blair and Haley decided to switch detours after Haley couldn't carry eight. She pretty much spilled as much beer as my brother's girlfriend does, where it just gets all over the floor and you're thinking, geez, perfectly good beer ruined. That is like the average amount of beer you see spilled in an Australian pub. Like, if any, any less than... If- if they spill any less than that, it's considered a failure of a night. Uh, so, when doing the stack task, Jeff did compare Jackie to King Kong, which is a very favourable uh, comparison for him. Blair also managed to fall and knock over his stack when he got to the last crate. Oh, right on the 15th, that was hilarious. Luckily, nobody was crushed down below and there wasn't any uh, chalk out- outlines on the ground. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel very sorry for the instructors who were very, very vulnerable. There was at least two or three teams who very nearly crushed a poor guy. I think it might have been the same guy as well. He had to dive out of the way. Well, to be fair, they're milk crates. They're, they're, like, they're like crates, and they're not like, you know... It's not like you're stacking bricks or something. Yeah, they were going at some speed, though. They could have done a bit of damage to him. Maybe like a bump, or maybe like a bit of abrasion, but I don't think really any, like, damage. Unless, unless, like, a, unless like a corner hit him. I'm surprised that Jelani did not choose Stein because as soon as he entered Germany, all he wanted to do was drink some beers. So a bit curious uh, decision on his part there. Jenny probably shot him down. Possibly. You, get, pun. You, wouldn't get to, you wouldn't get to drink the beers in Stein, would you? If you're Gus from Amazing Race 6, uh, you'd find a way. They had a similar task where they had to 
transport beers to uh, uh, exchange it for coasters with people in, inside of a pub, and uh, Gus just uh, guzzled down some of the beer whenever he had the chance. I would be very surprised if at least one team did not, or one racer did not drink one of the beers. Or just siphon it off the ground when uh, Haley spilled some. You can do that as well. Yeah, maybe an unaired scene was just Blair trying to lick the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I really, do, I really need beer to deal with Haley. Rx for alcoholism. Mike and Shell are the lucky people who find the date night card in their detour clue, and they seem completely nonplussed about it. I completely missed that in the episode. Like, I wrote down two pages of notes, double-sided, and did not even notice while watching it that Mike and uh, Rochelle got date night. Yeah, they completely, they were just like, oh, is that a date night card? Cool, whatever. Do we yeah, even know what off. they're doing for date night? Other than, was it just the observatory thing like we were told about before the season even started? Yeah, I mean, there's only one leg in Germany, and they, we know that there is a date night at the Bavarian Public Observatory, so I'm assuming it's that one. And that is the one that I put on the Wikipedia page. Considering how long, considering how long the day was so far, I probably, I probably would just like, that's probably the appropriate reaction. Because how long did it take them to get... I think it was already going to be dark by the time they got to the... Um... I mean, consider that it's European winter, so... Or European late autumn, early winter. So it probably would have been about half four, five o'clock that it went dark in Germany. So it was still light when they got the detour clue. It was getting dark when they were climbing the stack. It's a, It was still like a considerable distance from the previous... From the teams that arrived before them. So I... Don't think that I don't think like a date night was on their mind when they got the clue. So once teams complete their respective detour, uh, they must now travel to the genuine location from last week's fake podcast, the Marcus Vasmeyer Museum, and search atop a hill for their next clue. Is this where they got? Sh- is this where Blair gets shot in the arm? Yes, this was the location that we claimed that Blair got shot in the arm on. Yay! So it's Ellie and Steve who leave the detour. Stein in first. Matt and Ashley in second, and then Jeff and Bracky, Laura and Tyler, Blair and Haley, Jelani and Jenny, and Mike and Michelle, all leaving stack in third through seventh. And we finally get to the roadblock, which is everyone's favourite clue. Who wants to woo? <laughs> oh, who wants to woo? Probably my favourite roadblock hint of all time. I wonder if Alan Wu was watching from home and thinking, hey, I'm still relevant in the in the eyes of uh, Western Amazing Race viewers. I promise you that if we do get an interview with Alan Wu, I will ask about this roadblock hint. <laughs> yeah, Wu is such an un- uncommon an uncommon lost name in Singapore. <laughs> or wherever they come from. <laughs> Where are they flocking no, from? No, nobody, really ha- nobody really has Wu as a last name, especially not people of an Asian persuasion. On this season. Technically, 100% of the racers who are Asian on this season have uh, Wu as their last name. And on the Amazing Race 17. Cat had one, Cat had, Cat's last name was Wu? Dang it, I thought of that and was hoping I would not be proven wrong. I, I was hoping that everyone would just... Uh... Uh, let me uh, be delusional that I was fully 100% right about this. But no, Ben had to Wrong, wrong, wrong. Okay, Charlie Murphy. On the subject of uh, Amazing Race 17, how far into your um, into episode 5 are you? Uh, halfway through. It's been a slow go with uh, work lately. But uh, it's getting there. I've gotten to the Scooby-Doo part of the episode, which is my personal favorite part. Are you enjoying the episode? Is though? that where Nat and Cat um, get to eat his body for, for a fast, fast forward? 
No, it's after that. It's when Nick and Vicky show up at the fast forward. That's what I have as the Scooby Doo mystery. Are you loving Nick and Vicky as much as you should, Logan? Then I believe so. Yes, but they are the king and queen of unintentional hilarity. I think at least until like at least until they're like uh, the second last leg. I mean, they are the only team to actually actively avoid a speed bump when they've been assigned one. Speaking of unintentional hilarity, uh, yeah, we have Jenny Wu doing the Wu roadblock. Yeah, it's, um, it's Ali, Ashley, Jackie, Jenny, Laura, Blair, and Mike doing the roadblock. And in this roadblock, one team member must yodel a German song in tune, serate, uh, serenading their partner whilst climbing a ladder to receive their next clue. If they failed, they received a bucket of water to the face. Uh, I have a question. Where was Travis from the Amazing Race 23 that teach uh, teams... How to uh, sing a song in German. Probably the same place as Tim and or Danny, whichever one it was that did the roadblock. It was Danny, <laughs> I think. Oh, that would have been a great switchback to just show Danny epically failing at the singing and then just bring him back for this. He would have been was, uh, like covered in 20 buckets of water by the end. He was too busy getting uh, tips from Jared and Tyson. I, I had forgotten about this until I was uh, listening to and editing the Cat and Jesse cast, but Tyson and Jared were so loud. Unbelievable. Seiko no Senko. Thank you. It was like a, a it was described as like a pub anthem thing that they. Oh, I'm, I'm not sure the exact wording, but like uh, this is only this is really specific to me. But like the same, it is like described as the same inflection. Uh, you'd hear them, like, you'd hear people like singing K San in a pub or something. That means nothing to you, but still, you know that you're singing way too loudly when everyone else is just kind of ignoring their own prep and laughing at you. I'm guessing a lot of people in their everyday life like, uh, like to laugh for Jared, so... <laughs> I forgot that I'd promise not to get the conversation on to people you hate. We actually found out that Jackie uh, Jackie had a great voice. That was surprising. I wasn't expecting that to happen. Well, that, that voice to come out of her while she's singing. Yeah, I mean, she is a showgirl, so I think of everyone doing the roadblock, I probably would have expected it off her the most, but it was a pleasant surprise to see that actually she's got a decent voice. Doesn't mean that she escaped getting a bucket of water to the face, though. In my favourite screen cap of the season so far. Especially when it's, you know, has to do with remembering the lyric. Yeah, I don't think that, unlike the last proper singing test that they had, which was the... One in 23, as we mentioned. I don't think they were actually graded on anything but the accuracy of the lyrics, which is probably a good idea. And if they fail to get the old bucket of water in the face uh, like they're on the Canadian game show, uh-oh. I mean, it was pretty mean to chuck buckets of cold water in their face in the middle of November. I think as annoying as it probably was for them, it was probably worth it just to, for every single team seeing the reaction when she... When she comes after they've completed the task, when she comes by, it looks like she's about to throw it, and then she reveals the clue. Yeah, that was supreme trolling. Like one of the notes, one of the notes I did have to the episode was how, um, how you know, watching teams get buckets of water to the face did get old after a while. But what didn't get old was watching them getting faked out all the time. I mean, there was two amazing reactions. We had Jackie, obviously. With For some reason, we had a massive close-up of her getting the bucket of water to the face. So it did look like she was in a inappropriate video of some description. And Jenny, as well, was a hilarious reaction to the water. Because I'm pretty sure there would have been about five swear words cut out of Jenny getting the bucket of water chose over. Her lawyers got it edited out. Yeah, she looked like she was shouting bastards at them. At least neither of them sounded like a dying horse. I also like that Tyler said that Laura completely deserved the bucket of water to the face. Meanwhile, I'm guessing most of the audience wanted the, wanted the, wanted the, um, 
wanted them to just chuck a chuck the bucket at Haley, I guess. Yeah, but she wasn't even doing the task. I don't think it matters to them. If the Mad Cat ladies are actually um, in control of who got the bucket of water, they probably would have just dunked the bucket of water over Haley instead of the uh, giving the clue to Blair. Well, this is an I'm a celebrity, so... Yeah, who was one of only two people who didn't actually get the bucket of water at all that we saw. Was Jenny rapping as well? <laughs> Maybe like Debbie Harry from Blondie type rapping. <laughs> I don't know. Jenny's delivery was impeccable. She made the task as romantic as uh, Matt and Ashley did. Teams now headed to the pit stop, which was Lake Spitzingsee. Uh, the last team to check in may be eliminated. Is there such thing as a romantic name in German? German is one of the least romantic languages, I think, in the world ever, because everything is ruthlessly shouted, basically. If you speak German, you basically are shouting at people. Having said that, on the website um, Duolingo, there is a flirting uh, thing for German, which is nice. Interesting. I've not learned that unit yet, but I... I am doing the German on there, and the French, and the Spanish, and the Dutch. I'm going to venture a guess as, I want to dress you in lederhold and you two to the brasswurst. Is that one of the lines? Oh, Ben. I love our recurring feature, Ben's terrible accents coming back. That was close. Vant is Romanian. I want to suck your blood. Ah, ah, ah. You don't say it like that. Depends what you're doing, though. You don't say German like that. Juan. Ah, ah, ah. Was that Spanish? Spanish? Uh, it's it's the Spanish. It's, the, it's when you press the... SAP button on your television when you watch Sesame Street. Is that translating Ashley's I will serenade your ass in German? I will, I will take you down by Lake Schwitzenflick and 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 eat and see and have a, that must, the most romantic dinner of Bratwurst. Why does every podcast that we do devolve into offensive accents? Are we going to finish out this episode? Never. We'll just keep. We'll just keep doing these for like an hour. We also had a throwback to uh, Canadian Amazing Race when Ali and Steve checked in first. Yes, Olympians get the gold medal. That hasn't been said before this in the past year on the Amazing Race. Is that really a gold medal though? Because like. Do you get gold medals for competing in heats? They did dominate this leg, and it was quite good to see. It was nice to see them live up to their full potential. They'd be worthy of a platinum medal. Yeah, and also, they didn't win the revival pass, which I was very disappointed about. Instead, they win two Ford cars, because there's no more sponsors. Has any team ever actually kept their cars? Did Charlotte and Marina keep their catamaran? Dan and Jordan keeping their bikes? I think every single team just sells their cars as soon as he's physically possible. Well, that's the way to get money. I'll probably scout my uh, plane tickets. With the exception of Dave and Connor, I think, who I believe still have their cars, their Mustangs. Well, giving you away would be inappropriate. (laughs) They've kept their Mustangs and we're laughing at them. And that's rude! They've had to to go their whole life without Mustangs. So the second was Matt and Ashley. Third was Jeff and Bracky. Fourth was Jay Lani and Jenny. Fifth was Blair and Haley. Sixth was Laura and Tyler. Seventh was Mike and Rochelle. And in... Eighth and last place was Bergen and Kurt. Apparently they're still in this leg. And apparently Blair likes to quote soft sell at the pit stop. And we're saying that, oh, or where Haley said she felt like a... Was it Haley or Blair that said they felt like a blade of grass? And then Blair Blair. cuts in with that he just wants to get away. I thought he was going to queue up some sort of single for him, but uh, it didn't. It's going to take him a lot to to get him away from you. I mean, I'm guessing it's not something that... A hundred men or more could never do. And Matt Nashley really had a touching speech about how you just can't teach love on the Amazing Race. But you can force it for drama. Yes, you can. 
Yes, you can. You can force it for drama and ratings and have an entire season concept around it. You can also have the entire season concept around around that tingling feeling. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's how you introduce a season like that, is asking if they have a tingling feeling. Thank you, Phil Hogan. Yeah, listen, do not remind me that Tingle is probably going to win the Smash Ballot by a mile. I loved Laura's singing, by the way, at the Roblox. At one point, it sounded like she was... Uh, sounding like uh, doing a German version of a chipmunk song. Chipmunk? Hey! I was waiting for her to be asking for a hula hoop or however it's translated into German. Ein hula hoop! I actually know what the German for hula hoop is. But yes, like... anybody who saw Laura singing should listen back to it because it just perfectly reminded me of that one chipmunk song. Hey! Chipmunk, hey! Anyway. Next time. What, we're not going to talk about Kurt and Bergen's elimination? I thought we basically already had. No, we didn't at all. You just, you just glossed over us. Is that the first time anybody has quit the race over driving a stick in the 35 seasons or so of seasons that we've all seen? To be fair, not many teams have actually quit the race generally, unless they seriously are injured. That is true. Even Meredith and Maria stuck it out with the stick shift uh more than uh, Kurt and Bergen did here. The people's champions, Meredith and Maria. Yes. Lucy and Amelia were stranded on train tracks, so they still completed the race. Lucy and Amelia got arrested in Dubai. Spoilers. Did, do you not remember that? Do you remember, not remember that, per, that perfect to be continued, though, where they stole over the train lines as if a train's coming? Shana and Jennifer had that as well. Oh, yes, from Amazing Race 12, right in the middle of uh, Lithuania, right, is when... They were stuck. Yeah, but that wasn't, that, wasn't like, that wasn't like the um, the cliffhanger of an episode leading into the next episode. Like an old western, like a old western with a woman tied to the tracks, and you have to tune in next time to see if she's just going to be run over. That actually perfectly describes it. Um, and it was a to be continued leg as well. So I honestly cannot wait for Logan to get to a major race Australia too, so that we can just fanboy about it. It must sound great from how we've been describing it. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But yeah, with uh, Kurt and Bergen, did why did they quit? Because Kurt didn't need the money and wanted a love connection, and Bergen did need the money and didn't want didn't particularly want the love connection after leg one. I think it just amazed me that they finished first in the previous leg, and I know at the start of the season I kept saying, "Oh, Kurt, this Kurt's life experience will disrupt him from being competitive in the race, and he won't do in the second half." But he just finished first in a leg in a climate that's pretty harsh in Thailand there, and then you get to a much more bearable climate in Germany, and it's the this is the first self-drive leg round of the season that they had, right? Yeah. First self-drive leg round, I didn't expect that something as little as that would be just enough for Kurt to throw in the towel. And correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think they were 90 minutes ahead of Mike and Rochelle uh, at the Winter Wonderland tasks. I think Kurt and Bergen uh, still had 30 minutes left on their penalty when uh, Mike and Rochelle showed up, so... They had quite the sizable lead over who was behind that they had plenty of time to try and figure out the stick shift there. It wasn't like they were trailing and being like, oh, we're just going to throw in the towel and save us the embarrassment like uh, other teams have done in the past in other situations. But here, they had a sizable advantage over a lot of the other teams and just, you know, just packed it in. Do they know that, though? I'm not... Well, they would have been at the tower and would have seen teams behind them. I know we're pretty pro-Bergen generally because of how nice he's been to us on Twitter. And the fact he li- he's going to be listening to this, I think, so I'm pretty sure he's listened to us uh, every week, if I'm not mistaken, so 
this is not going to be the most comfortable conversation for us to have on this podcast. No, but he did get royally screwed. Oh, no doubt about it. Like, if you've been around somebody who just wants to quit, it can be very frustrating and drag on you very quickly. Pretty much anybody who would have been partnered with Flo other than Zach would have responded the same way as Bergen did in this situation. Or Danielle? Or, or, or yes. Eric and Zach are the all-stars at playing up with racers who want to quit repeatedly. I mean, I suspect that this wasn't the first time that Kurt was like, fuck it, I'm, t- I'm quitting. I think he probably did it every leg and Bergen was just like, I cannot deal with this anymore. Do what you want. I don't care anymore. But Michael, what if he thought the race around the world was supposed to be fun? Bergen did think that the Amazing Race was supposed to be good and fun. I I felt for him in this episode. I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty obvious. And it was so much more painful to see him go from wasting all their money on taxi and then being forced to take public transit. So as soon as you go on public transit on a self-drive leg, <laughs> when you know you've already got six or eight hours worth of penalties waiting for you. You know that you are going to be more than half a day behind, more than 12 hours behind probably, even if it is a non-elimination leg, and that really you're just having a Jamie Newton Survivor Guatemala moment here, and you're just trying to finish her out. It was no minecart going down the hill, but yeah, I, I felt quite bad for Bergen. It was not kind to them, was it? No. Like, especially especially at the end where it was like, um, you know, at least some people get like, at least, you know, Harley and Jonathan last week, they got like those romantic words with each other. Uh, the first two, the first two teams did as well, but this like was it. Yeah, we hate each other. He sucks. I hate him. <laughs> and then there was, and then there was yet at the end where they like um walk out of the train station and go in different directions. Also, did we not say that Bergen and Kurt would be the first blind te- team out? Oh, we said know. that too, didn't we? We did. So that's another tick for our predictions. Did we predict they they win a leg? Well, I don't think we predicted they'd win a leg. I think we said they'd be sort of first two out, but we'll gloss over that. I think you guys said that they might make, make it to, like, 7th or 6th in addition to that, because I thought they'd be out earlier, and then you guys were disagreeing with me. Yeah, I mean, I know we definitely said that they would be the first blind date team out. I know that I said that CJ and Libby would be probably first out, if not second out. Ding! And, of course, you had a very good prediction about Bergen and Kurt yourself, Logan. So this race was just too big for Kurt, and he didn't know what he was getting himself into with it being on this race. Which is too bad because I think he's going to get more criticism for this, for being on the show and and what happened in this episode than he was probably anticipating. I mean, I feel sorry for Bergen purely because, I mean, he's got no chance of ever coming back to an amazing race, purely because his partner quit, and it just sucks for him. Because he he did actually want it, and I think, I'm pretty sure he said he was a, a fan anyway beforehand. So it double sucks. I'm pretty sure he's a fan if he's... Listening to our podcast, that gets about 100 views per week. Yeah. Anyway, we love you, Bergen. Love you, babe. I like you as a friend, Bergen. <laughs> In summary, we mildly tolerate you. Or if, if this is if this is a finished podcast, we'd have that uh, that word that means I despise you slightly less than than other people. You are not our most hated team of the season. You know what's going to be awkward is elimination station with Kurt and Bergen for the next few weeks. That would not be a fun time, especially if they reunite with the other teams. Like, oh, you know. Uh, especially because they're all known dating couples who get along well. So it's like, oh, you know, we had this mistake. Oh, well. And then you have Kurt and Bergen telling their story and the other teams being like, oh, this is not going to be a fun couple of weeks here. I smell tension. I wish that they still showed this on the internet because this would be the episode of the season I would want to see. It's just Bergen and Kurt checking in somewhere awkward, probably in Asia, and it just being a really uncomfortable episode. 
Separate rooms, separate rooms. And the fun thing is, it, it'd just be those four teams. It'd be Harley, Harley and Jonathan, Lily and CJ, Jeff and Lyda, and Berger and Kurt. No, no, other team will be, no other team will be joining them. They made up with the seventh and fourth place teams as they got closer to the end, like as they got flew to the finish line. But apart from that, no. It'd just be them. Next week when someone wins the revival past Bergen and Kurt would be a great choice to bring back. I'm perpetuating this myth, damn it. So next week, uh, teams go to a new country, Monica. And woo! Woo, tequila! The only new country in this whole season. And they dress up. There's love affairs and, of course, high wires that definitely are in Monaco, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and definitely not in France. I'm looking forward to Monaco because uh, I don't know much. I know vaguely a bit about Monaco. I Is it, spy, is it a spy-related country, the spy stuff in Monaco? Yeah, a little bit. And also, it is super expensive. Super rich place. It's like, no, it's like only the rich people can get by in Monaco. It confuses me when I see that they keep having legs in Switzerland, because Switzerland is a really expensive country as well. But I think Monaco is probably going to be the most expensive country they've ever been to, hence why they are not staying there for the entire leg. You have $5,000 for this leg of the race? What do I need this? <laughs> That's ten times more than even traveling through the Russia lakes in the past. Yeah, it's it's a super expensive place. There's no taxes there, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, the Monaco the Monaco Grand Prix there, isn't it? Yeah, it's a principality. It's basically like a uh, white white people's Dubai. Yeah, pretty much. I suspect that it's going to be train travel to Monaco as well, so it won't be a self-drive leg either. Yep, Grand Prix and uh, a million-dollar poker tournament takes place there, so yeah, you can pretty much tell that they're going to be stuck with public transportation to try and save on costs. So we have a million-dollar poker tournament, so a team's going to be dealing with whole pit vipers. We're not going to discuss uh, with that particular amazing race team on this podcast. So... Any uh, other thoughts for this week? I'm liking the way the season's progressing so far. It could have been worse, but it's not terrible. Who do we think is going to get eliminated next week? I think the non-elimination is going to be in Namibia, which is after France and Monaco. I'm actually thinking it might be Mike and Rochelle. I mean, I agree that we are pretty much guaranteed a non-elimination leg because the way that the season is airing, it's pretty much guaranteed Namibia 1 is going to be a non-elimination. Actually, not, not, not Mike and Rochelle. I just realised they have a bit of a, bit of a story and, and they're, they're also seeing one of the previews. Yeah, I think they're making so Final Four. I'm thinking that the... Well, that, I'm thinking that it will be either... Oh, it'll be Ali and Steve because I think they don't really have that, that much content yet left. Actually, they've given... For how boring they've been, they've actually been given a lot of side story with the Olympics and meeting each other and... Ali being involved in uh, Nagano Olympics there, so I think they'll actually be... A, I'm thinking they might have a little bit of a winner's edit, it's just that it's not a very exciting one. I don't think there'll be much like story content of them in Namibia. Like, oh, I remember, the, I remember that time in the Winter Olympics in Africa. Is that like Ron from the Masonry 7 just relating everything to that time in Iraq, in Iraq band camp? On that note... That by this time last season, we had picked out a correct winner's edit. Are we picking up any on any vibes? Because I have a suspicion that will either be completely true and cement our reputation with Reddit, or be completely wrong. And I'm going to throw in that our next winners are going to be Mike and Rochelle. I'm going to throw in that I think Mike and Rochelle are our winners, purely because they have been getting a lot of story compared to their actual amount of screen time. I think they'll get, make it pretty um, comparatively far, but I don't think they'll win. Because the the story with the um, Rochelle's however-year-old son has been, like, rehashed to hell. 
I think that I think all three times she's mentioned it, it was from the same confessional. I think that Blair and Haley have a have a strong edit so far. I would love Blair and Haley to be our winners. <laughs> Can you imagine the the response of the Mad Cat ladies? Oh, I'd be awesome. I'd be so much fun. So I will be most of Matt and Ashley aren't the next ones out because they've gotten a really small edit. Other than Matt saying uh, certain statements over and over repeatedly. If it's an elimination like next week, I think that A-Team will be screwed by taxis rather than anything they do. Because it's going to be a comparatively long distance for a leg if they're switching between Monaco and France. Compared to how long some of the legs have been recently. Can you drive from Monaco to France? Yeah, you can drive there, but they won't. They'll be getting the taxi or maybe the train. So yeah, I think we are about done for this week. So thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back for more Amazing Race next week. If you enjoyed the show and even if you didn't, please give us a like on YouTube. And if you want to see what we're rambling about this week, our Twitters are in the description on the video below. Uh, also, if you've not heard Ben and Michelle's interview with everyone's favourite Kiwi team, Kat and Jesse, the link is down there too. See you next week. Bye! So long. I'll show the best.